Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Okay, so. You guys ready? Ready for the word? All right. Uh, I, I'm going to be speaking uh, out of Second Peter and uh, just to kind of give a little like emphasis to, to what's going on here in in second Peter you have uh, you have him Peter in this moment where it's like he's given his like last will and testament just kind of like these last moments and you see that in verse like 13 14 he says um, of chapter one, he's like, you know, as long as I'm still in this tent, and basically he says something like, you know, and I know that I'm not going to be in this tent very much longer. He's like, this this body, as long as I'm here, I'm going to share this stuff, and, and we need to do these things, and we need to be this way, and I'm not, I'm not going to be here that much longer. So it kind of gives you this, this kind of picture of him saying like, I got to share with you some things before I'm gone. And so in this first chapter, he, he is giving this, this stuff, and in this, gosh, I'm going to basically be just talking about this, this first paragraph. Um, and and in, in this first paragraph, it's, it's like so full and, and so, um, so rich. You know, it's making me think about, I got a couple of my kids here, um, you know, my dad, you know, when you, when you think about something, you know, you, you eat food and, and it comes to this point, like my dad likes desserts. And he loves, like, to eat desserts, but he can't actually eat a whole dessert because he thinks it's too rich, you know? And any of my kids, can you raise your hand? Like anytime, yeah, no, they're going to actually just squeeze down under the seat right now. But but my dad will like go, we'll be at a restaurant and be like, oh yeah, let's order that chocolate cake. I love chocolate cake. And then he'll take a bite of it and he'll go, ooh, that's rich. That's rich, right? I mean, man, I was really wanting my kids to yell that out, but they're definitely not going to do that. But it's like, will not, it, without fail, He'll eat like two bites, and he's like, I'm done. It's too rich. And what I'm trying to get at is this, this paragraph here. You know, when something's too rich, it's like, it's like so flavorful. It's so full of, of what you wanted it to have, but it's so much so that you don't know if you can actually have more of it. If you eat another bite, you know, it's like in this scripture, like if, if there's, if you continue, I don't know, it's so full of, of this truth that we need to understand that like if I eat another bite, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to keep it down. You know, it might come, that's kind of how I feel about this scripture. I don't know if you guys can, if you guys can get that, but. This paragraph, it's, it's like a whole meal, okay? So, you guys ready to eat? 
All right. <laughs> Woo. In 2 Peter 1, verse 2, we're going to read 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lusts. And I don't know about you, but whenever I, I read that whole thing together, I'm like, I can't even, it's so rich, I, I don't know if I can actually understand it. And so, like, I've been trying to go over this scripture and, like, break it down. And I, I want to try to do that. And I hope, I hope I can get this out. Like, it's kind of exploded in my mound, or in my, in my mound, in my mind. <laughs> I'm thinking about cake in my mouth and food and being rich and also the Word of God, and it's just mixing together. So, <laughs> I hope that, that you guys can get this like, like it's exploding uh, to me. So first of all, in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And this word, it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And in this, I think he's just picking grace and peace to kind of like see these attributes of, of who God is. I, I pray that they be multiplied to you. But really, in, in reality, I think he probably wants to like list all the attributes of God, you know, because in this, he's talking about this divine power that is God. And how we can be partakers of, I'm kind of getting toward the end of this paragraph, but, but to make this point, that we can kind of partake of and be a part of that divine nature and, and who God is. And so he's like, this grace and peace and who God is, I, just, I pray that it be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So and when it says knowledge, this word knowledge, it, it means uh, a, not complete, it's, a, it's precise and correct knowledge. Now I'm going to go into this a little bit more in just a second because it says something about knowledge again. But it says that this is a per, precise and correct knowledge. That grace and peace will be will be given to you as you come to understand God the correct way. See, that's, that's huge to me because, because I think that there, there's a problem that, that we have. 
And whether it's that somebody is giving us the understanding of no, or knowledge of who God is the wrong way, or that we are taking it in the wrong way, many times we get messed up in this. I'm saying myself included, we, we all have that issue, and it really boils down, I would say, to insecurities. Most issues in life boil down to insecurities. I, you know, I was thinking about this, like, you know, whenever you see somebody, you know, that is very strong and, and dominant and like, I'm, I got things put together, I got it all taken care of, you know, all this stuff, and you're like, wow, look at that person, and you think like the person that's all like, I don't know, I'm, what a, I, I don't feel that strong, that that's the person with insecurities. But really, in both of those cases, there's insecurities. It's just projected in different ways in different people. The person that looks strong and looks all put together, they're, they're living their life out of problem. Most likely, I'm not putting this on somebody, but most likely those, those things that we do come out of the insecurities, so we put ourselves together so much and be so strong and act so tough because of the insecurity, while the other person is just a mess because of insecurity. So we take, and, and really a lot of, of who we are, what we do, and, and how we understand things also are based, or sorry, not based, but filtered through those insecurities and those things that we have allowed to latch to us that we've allowed to become filters for us because, you know, it was spoken over us something whenever we were young or just basically, or maybe just a way that we feel about ourselves. And listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about myself here because, like, there's some things, like, that, that I'm thinking about that in this past little bit, ways that I've acted or things that I've done based on my lack of trust in who God is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that, okay? Because we all do this. My lack of trust of, in who God is because of my insecurities and not feeling like I can do it. Like, you know, it's, yeah, let's go. And based on my insecurities, I, my faith isn't where it should be in God because I feel like, does that make sense? It affects how I understand who God is and muddies it up. But what he's saying here, still in this first sentence, by the way, grace and peace be multiplied to you in, like these things of God will be multiplied to you when you get the correct this precise, correct understanding of who God is that isn't muddied up by insecurities, that isn't muddied up by some, which he goes into in the second chapter, false teachers and all this stuff. Don't be carried away in instability by all these things. Chapter 2 and chapter 3, I'm not going to get into, but right here he says, can you have this correct 
precise, good understanding of who God is because that is where everything that, that you need is. So he says in verse 3, 2 Peter 1, verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Those things of God be multiplied to you when you come into this correct and, and, and right understanding of who God is. And it says then also that as his divine power, his, his divine power, it's not something that we can do ourselves, but his divine power power and who he is is actually what has gotten us to the point we are now and will get us anywhere in the future. But his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's by his divine power. Like this is what he's wanting you to understand, these correct things about who God is. That it's his divine power and who he is that is that is giving us all we need to live this life. It's Him and only Him. And not only that, to live this life, but also to live this life like Him, in godliness, in holiness. It's by His divine power that we can even do that. It says, through the knowledge. The, the, the reason that we can do that and that his divine power has given us the, the, the ability to understand and have everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness, to be holy like him and to live this life, it comes through the understanding and the knowledge, the correct understanding of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he goes back to this place about uh, talking about that his divine power that he has is able to sustain us and, and give to us everything that we need. And, it, and he, is, he is everything that we need to live this life and also to live it like him. But in order to do that, in order to live this life like he has called us to live it and to live it like him in holiness, we have to come to a, a correct understanding of who he is. Again, right? Because it says this knowledge, this word, that means a correct knowledge, an unhindered, an, an, an untainted knowledge. Of God. It says, who called us. Now it says in this translation, by glory and virtue, but in this, in, 
if you look up the Greek, you look up, if you read it in, in even the King James Version, it says it a little bit differently. It says, to glory and virtue. And, and in this, it's saying that he, is, he has called us to his glory and virtue and by his glory and virtue. It's because of his glory, the glory of who he is. And because he is so virtuous, that he has called us into this place of coming to know him. But he is also call, calling us to that place with him. So he's asking us to come to this place with him by having a correct knowledge and understanding of who he is. Now think about this. The divine, it says... His divine power has given us all things. Do we, do we understand what that means? That His divine, the divine power that created this world that we live in, the divine power that, that put the oceans in their place and raised mountains and put the sun in the sky and the stars in their the divine power of who God is. And, and all that he is. See, because whenever things get filtered through my insecurities, I don't see it that way. It's like, oh yeah, God's given me, God's given me the grace to make it through the day, you know? And, and filtered through my insecurities, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make it, but it's going to be a train wreck, you know? It's like, God... I'm going to get through it and be like, glad that one's over, you know, and I'm going to be a mess and probably, you know, complain a little bit and, you know, and it's like just, yeah, he's, he's going to get me through because that's what my insecurities do, you know, is, is taint and, and, and muddy up and mess up these promises of God. They, they, take and, and, and twist them and, and mess them up to where I, I believe them, but I don't really see them for what they truly are. That he has promised to us, to you and I, that, that he is with us, that he has called us, that, that we are sons and daughters, when we come to him, to come to know him, that we are heirs, that he has adopted us, that, that everything that he has is ours. Yeah. Now what happens when we start understanding, having a correct understanding of, of who God is and, and the knowledge of, of what he's done for us and what he's promised to us? When all of a sudden, instead of being like, you know, oh, I know God can, you know, somehow drag me through the day and come to the place where I understand that he doesn't want me to drag through the day. He wants me to, he wants us, he wants you to change the day. He wants you to speak life into the day and say, you will not be a bad day. You will not control my attitude. You will not control my family. You won't control 
but you know, my health, you won't. Because I have a correct, precise understanding, an unmuddied up and, and untainted understanding of who God is. See, I, I, I just I imagine, you know, Peter, he's like, listen, I don't know if he said it. This is, I just imagine him just being like, do you understand who God is? Or are you letting those, or are you letting the, the filter of your insecurities change who he is in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart, so that he's not big enough? He's not strong enough, you know? He can, you know, he's there and he can maybe get you through, but it, you know, just kind of. It's like, no, do, do you understand? That, that divine power. Can you have a correct understanding of, of His divine power that has brought you everything that you need for your life and for you to live your life like Him? Because His glory because of his glory and his virtue and calling you to his glory and virtue. See, it's, it's, it's coming to this place. It's, it's like in Philippians 3.10 and Paul like coming to this place and saying, he says in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. It's like that, that I could know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain, or what it means to attain, but that I can arrive at the resurrection from the dead, that I can arrive at the place where I get to be resurrected from the dead just like he did. He's like, that I, that I can know, <laughs> that I can know him, to know who he is, can have that correct and precise understanding and knowledge of who he is, that I can know him and what his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection meant. To me, that I could come into that understanding. That I can see that divine power of who God is and what he's done for me. He's saying that I can see that. that so that ultimate, what's the ultimate goal? So that I can arrive at the resurrection of the dead. I, I want to arrive at, it, all this other stuff doesn't matter. It's like, see, we get too, too focused on the stuff that's going on today. Whenever you're like, this stuff doesn't matter because God matters so much more. Who he is matters so much more. 
all of a sudden, this stuff just melts away, and you're like, I just want to know him and be resurrected. That's it. Take me now. Take me later. I don't care. I'm ready. You know? I, I love it. You know what? My grandma, I love you. You're awesome. I'm not going to talk about... I Listen. No. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this. I mean, I think that, you know... I'm not, gonna, I'm not joking around about how old you are, but I do want to talk about that you are older and you've lived a lot of life. And so there's something about when you've lived a lot of life that you understand that none of that stuff really mattered, that all that mattered in your life was that you knew God and that you're going to meet him someday. Because, because I've seen my grandma so many times like, oh, aren't you scared you're going to get sick? Aren't you scared you're going to She's like, I don't care. What does it matter? You know, that's what she said. She's like, take me now, take me later. It doesn't matter to me. It's like, I know you'll miss me. I'll be fine. I'm not scared of that sickness. I'm not scared of that stuff or this or that. It doesn't matter. She's, that's, she told me many times. I don't care. Grandma, you sure you want to go, you know, go out? It's, you know, they're telling you this, you know, everybody in the whole world to stay home. <laughs> yeah. I live. You know, and I, I think about, you know, you, when you... <laughs> When you go through, I don't know how many wars and sicknesses and pandemics and epidemics and all the, and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I but, it, but that's the place that we need to come to. It's like, what? These things don't matter one bit because we have an understanding, uh, the correct Knowledge of who God is. Not twisted, not tainted, not muddied up. <laughs> oh. And Second Peter one four. So he says, let me, let me just go back and read this. You don't have to have the scripture up there, but in three, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, the correct, precise knowledge of, of God and his power, who he is. And he's called us to himself. In verse 4 it says, by which have been given to us that glory and that virtue have been given to us exceedingly and great and precious promises. Who he is and, and because of his glory 
because of his virtue. Because of those things, it says that, that we've been given not just promises, but exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, I want to read you something that I, I loved this. Spurgeon wrote this. It says, many things are great which are not precious, such as great rocks, which are of little value. On the other hand, many things are precious which are not great, such as diamonds and other jewels. They're tiny, you know, they're not big. Which cannot be very great if they be very precious. But here we have promises which are so great that they are not less than infinite and so precious that they are not less than divine. Oh, I don't know if you got that. He's saying, most of the time, things aren't great and like and uh, precious. Like uh, it's like when you have a diamond. Of course, it'd be awesome if you did find a diamond that's like this big. But you know, you find diamonds and then they're smaller, but they're so precious and and so and, and so valuable but they're not real big. But then you can find a really huge, giant rock, but it's not so precious. But what this scripture and what he's, he's, Spurgeon is talking about, he's saying, listen, we have, a, we have to come to an understanding that these promises, can we understand that, that they are so great that they are beyond anything that we could even comprehend. The promises of, who God, of, of God and what He has for us and what He, you know, His promise to us. They're so great that, that they're infinite, but they're also so precious. They're also so precious that, that their value is more than anything we could comprehend. They're divine. Listen. God does not go back on His Word. God takes His Word seriously, and He has spoken over you and I that He will be with you, that He won't forsake you. Right? Listen. In Psalm 138, too, it says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you, this is so interesting to me. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Whoa. He said, your word. I, I, don't, I don't know that I can comprehend this or I don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't even know if my brain works around this scripture. But anyways, you have Put your word above your name. So what? Now, how many of us think like, man, the name of God is, it's precious, it's valuable, it's, it, it holds so much weight. When you speak the name, when I speak the name, 
the enemy's going to flee. When I speak his name, things are going to happen because his name is powerful. But the scripture says that he's put his word above his name. So these things that he has spoken, these promises that he has spoken over you, they hold more weight than even his name. I, I don't know about, I like my mind, it's like one of those. I don't know if I completely even get that. Like, how does that happen? How can you do that? That's what I want to ask God. How do you do that, God? How is your promise that you have made to, to me and to us, how does that hold more weight than your name does? I don't think you get it yet. Maybe it'll sink in later and you'll be like, oh... Peter 1.4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers, these promises. See, that these promises of God, they hold so much weight. Can you understand, can you have the, the correct, precise, good understanding of the knowledge of who God is? So that we can see the weight of his promises that he has spoken over us. Because when we see and understand the weight of the promises that he's spoken over us, then we can come to the place that says, through these, by which you have been given, have by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, that through these promises, when we finally come to the place of understanding these promises and the weight that they hold, that we can come into the place of being partakers of the divine nature. That we can be part, that, that word means that, that we can come in close to and come side by side and, and it's, it's like this, this place, uh, you know, like, well, let me just read the scripture. In Galatians 4, when Paul comes to this place talking about sons and being adopted, and I spoke, uh, said something about that earlier, that it's, that's what this means, being partakers of the divine nature, that, that when we come to this understanding of his promises and who he is and underst oh, understand what this means that, that we can come into the place where, not that we become gods, because there's a lot of weird stuff that people say about stuff like that. But somehow that that, that, that divine nature, that divine power of who God is can reside with us, that somehow we come into communion with His divine nature that we can be partakers. Galatians 4.4 4. 
But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons, as sons. And because you are sons, because, this is one of those things where it's like, do you understand what this means? Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, the crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Yeah. It's, that, it's that same kind of thing and spoken in a different way that you come into this understanding of who God is and, and then you can be partakers. Come into communion with, with that divine nature of who God is and live life not under Not under a, a rock, not, not under a heaviness, not, not being chained to, to temptation and, and, and addiction and, and sickness and all these things, but, but living life with freedom. Yeah. A freedom that comes because, not because I've done something, but because of what he's done, and now I understand that, and now I've come in to be a partaker of that divine nature. I've come into communion with him. But now I'm an heir, a son, or daughter of God. Now who he is is, is put on me because now I'm, I'm his. Just like I, I was never away. Like I, was, like I was always his. I have everything that he has. He's given it. And then it just says, at the end of that, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. It says, having escaped the corruption that's in this world. And it says, through lust. This, this word means through desires, through our self-desires. Saying, like, when we come into this understanding, those those desires, those lusts, those, those pulls to the things that we shouldn't be doing are going to fall away because what we've done is come into this place of partaking of the divine nature of who God is. And now his, his divine nature and his divine power has taken place of what my puny little control And the only reason I can't get free from... Now, take it, I understand. I have an addictive personality, and I understand how hard addiction is. And I do not make light of that. But it is only harder when we don't understand who God is. And it's easier, not easy. I don't say that because it's not easy. But it is easier when we have a correct understanding of who God is. Because when I understand that true nature of the divine power of who God is, 
and it's not muddied up by my insecurity, all of a sudden God becomes so much stronger than any temptation, any desire, any lust, anything that could possibly control me. And I can hold on to him and not allow that thing to hold on to me. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.